Welcome to the Actors Wish podcast. My name is Sarah Hayward Rahimova, and I am an international actress, writer, and teacher. Today, let me be your scene partner. Let this podcast be your laboratory. And in this space, let your wish run free. I know you're ready to peel your layers, take risks, and open yourself to new levels of artistic discovery. Consider this your weekly dose of inspiration, technique, and community where actors support one another. Together, we can explore our wishes beyond the classroom, beyond the audition room, beyond the stage and the screen, and cultivate a rich, vibrant, ongoing creative life. Let's turn down our brains, trust our bodies, activate our inner resources, and find joy in the process. Together, let's take the leap from actor to artist. Hello, 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 creative rebels, actors, artists, welcome, 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 welcome to today's episode. Welcome back to The Actor's Wish. Before we dive in to this magnificent conversation, I want to check in because it's pretty much a year since we've been in this situation, in this circumstance literally myself in given circumstances. I never thought my second semester of training would come to full-blown life fruition. (laughs) Uh, But all humor aside, I'm genuinely curious how you're doing, how you're feeling, feeling and not feeling because every day seems to be a whole different caliber and wavelength of emotion and things we have to take care of, and new, constant barrage of news. (laughs) So much news. So I really, really, really hope you are taking time for yourself. You're devoting yourself to caring for yourself, your human self, and your artist self. And as we touch upon in this episode today, sometimes that means to slow down and altogether stop. (laughs) Get off of all of your channels, get off of the hamster wheel of hustle, get off and get out and take a walk safely (laughs) with a mask, Uh, just find moments of reprieve and peace and connecting with your innermost wants and wishes and I do hope you're also able to reach out to one another because as actors, as artists, we know that the partner is so vital, integral. It is pretty much the essence of what we do. We're here for the partner. So I hope you are taking care of yourselves. I hope you're taking care of each other. And I'm so thankful for this space where we not only get to take care of and uplift the other, but we really get to inspire and enrich and expand together so that is so so special and I'm so grateful to be able to have this type of space during this time so much gratitude to each and every one of you thank you for being here thank you for turning yourself on and off sometimes it's very good to turn yourself off (laughs) and yeah let's get into it today is super special it's a major synchronicity. This episode is only happening because of the incredible Lenise Antoine Shelley. If you haven't checked out episode 19, beautiful, powerful, gorgeous, I suggest doing so now. Uh, it's because of her that we are having this incredible discourse. So thank you, thank you, thank you, Lenise, and thank you, Rodrigo, for all the laughs. It felt so great. If you are a fan of Shakespeare and soccer, this episode is definitely for you. So here is a little about a little bit about Rodrigo. Rodrigo Bielfuss spent four years in Ontario with the Stratford Festival and then relocated back to Winnipeg to be the new artistic director of Shakespeare in the Ruins, SIR, in the fall of 2019. Born and raised in Brazil, Rodrigo moved to Winnipeg in 2001 as an exchange student, discovering Hamlet in high school. Mr. Gord McLeod is to be blamed for everything, for Rodrigo hasn't stopped pursuing Shakespeare since. 
In Winnipeg, Rod was a founding member of Theatre by the River, and he has directed and acted in several productions at various local theatres. Rod also has a passion for teaching, and he is a theatre instructor at various organizations and universities. He holds a BA Honours from the University of Winnipeg, an MA in Classical Acting from England's Lambda, and he's a graduate of Stratford's two flagship programs, the Birmingham Conservatory for Classical Theatre and the Michael Langham Workshop for Classical Direction. More info can be found at rodrigobilfus.com. Oh man. <laughs> I literally didn't even know what to call this episode because there were so many raging and radiant ideas pouring forth. Obviously, you know what I chose. <laughs> but a close second was down in the sexy dirt. Down in the sexy dirt. And you will see why close to the end, Rodrigo just delivers on so many levels, delights and inspires. He gives us a full feast of speech for the stage. So be sure to stick to the end and let us know what you think. There's so much here that I want to dig into further. So be sure to tag Rodrigo underscore Bilefus on Instagram and me at Sarabanda in your stories Listen to this episode, take a screenshot, tag us on Instagram, and let's continue this conversation because there are so many takeaways and breakthroughs and aha moments. I know you'll want to come back to it again and again, and I know you'll want to reach out to Rodrigo, and so I have all of his contacts in the show notes. Be sure to check out Shakespeare in the Ruins, and we are so curious about how this dialogue resonates with you, so be sure to reach out and continue to take care of yourselves. May this episode and may the actor's wish be a bomb for your artistic spirit. And without further ado, let's dive in. Vinimania, attention, naturally, begin. Enjoy. Rodrigo, welcome. Thank you, thank you, thank you for being here, for carving time out of your very busy life and schedule. Thank you. Very welcome. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. Yeah. I love talking to people. <laughs> well, as do I, but someone of your caliber and canon and experience and international presence, it's quite a thrill. So thank you for making time for us. And I just have to note, uh, it is because of the lovely Lenise Antoine Shelley that this podcast is happening. <laughs> this was oh, definitely Lenise. orchestrated. Thank you, Lou. Thank you, Lenise. <laughs> uh, and I guess to be so that I also saw Rodrigo in Stratford years ago and that's where this whole thing began uh so <laughs> Rodrigo great. I am learning you exactly I am learning you at the same time our listeners are learning about you would you care to share your your life your journey your artistic growth how you got to this moment in time <laughs> uh, sure I feel like I I uh, not sure I have any particular sort of like brilliant insights, but I can share what I've been through a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. That's perfect. Yeah. That's perfect. Yeah. And if, yeah, it's, uh, you know, like this is, this is, this is, a, you've caught me on a particular special, special, maybe it's not the word, but interesting introspective week, because this is the week that we all celebrate a year of this, right? A year in, in this part of the world. Um, you know, like my last opening night I attended was March 12th at the at Prairie Theater Exchange here, here in Winnipeg. And, uh, and then the next day, it was the, the last normal day we had, right, when the 13th, fri Friday the 13th, when we all shut down. And now we're into this, into this world of, of Zoom and emails and, and planning and uncertainty and um, confusion and uh, precariousness. It's just been a weird 12 months, right? So whenever there's a chance to actually talk to somebody, it's always, I find it always kind of healing because I find that so much of our time is spent on 
damage control, right? Mm-hmm. You know, trying to self-care, try to care for others, falling apart around you, trying to envision a way to create in this time of isolation. So it's it's nice to talk to people about about what it is we're up to. Absolutely. And you have children as well, young children to care for. That's an extra layer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I have a boy who is four. Uh, yeah, he's no. Oh, my God. He's five now. He turned five this month. Oh, my God. In February, he turned five and he was born in Stratford in Ontario when I was there with the company. Um, and uh, and I have a little girl uh, who is uh, who was born in June in the middle of the pandemic. So she's a little baby and um yeah it's uh i find that having kids during this time um is making everything harder but everything easier at the same time you know it's um Mm. much harder in the sense of like just stamina you know the stamina for it all the stamina to 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 you know be on zoom and do the, the work of with my company Shakespeare in the ruins and and then go and feed them and put them to bed but it makes it easier in the sense that when I'm taking care of them I'm just taking care of them you know it's like you wake up and it's now I'm gonna make breakfast for them and it's like that's all I'm doing and then now mm. I'm gonna make some coffee and now I'm I'm, I'm I'm putting pants on my kid you know now I'm just changing diapers that's all you're doing so it's a very you now we talk in theater about we're talking to you about being in the moment all the all the fucking time. And we never know really what that means. We, we, we pretend we do, but we don't really know what that means. Because in many ways, it's impossible to turn your thoughts off and be in the moment. The beauty of it is that I find the chasing for that thrill of being present, which is so rare, I think is the fun bit. The fun thing about our profession as theater makers. But... Um, you know, when I have, when I have, I'm dealing with my kids, I'm forced to be in that mm-hmm. moment. So, um, yeah. So that was a long answer to like, yeah, I have kids. <laughs> no, that's mm-hmm. wonderful. Thank you for this insight. And I think you're exactly right that as, as actors, as artists, we have kind of this unique duality right now because so much of our work is to harness the moment and seize it for all it is. But also what you were referencing before about the challenges of this time and and the major pivots we've had to make personally, but also artistically, uh, I think that's one quality we as actors do very well is pivoting under extreme circumstances. I mean, we have to, right? Especially when something is live. (laughs) But before before we go further, I want to also mention that you are not only juggling your family you're 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 also juggling a company <laughs> you're the artistic director of Shakespeare in the Ruins would you would you tell us something about that magnificent ensemble you have you 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 lead basically sure yeah so uh SIR Shakespeare in the Ruins is a, is a company that's been around uh since 1993 and I became the artistic director um in 2019 after four years in Stratford, Ontario. And um, uh, it's a company dedicated to performing Shakespeare in non-traditional spaces, particularly outdoors at the ruins of an old monastery that uh, burned down about a hundred years ago. And then it was rebuilt as, as, a, as a, a ruined building uh, as a, a heritage park, on a heritage park in Manitoba. So it's sort of like a... Um, um, it's a beautiful spot. Uh, it's a beautiful park, and and the ruins um, are are just magnificent as a space to 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 perform in. They're very challenging in terms of the stamina required for the act to perform outside, uh, but the way that we can do Shakespeare in them is quite is unique. Um, we have actors climbing the ruins or running around the ruins or, and we do promenade stagings, which means that we move from scene to scene with the audience about the park and around the ruins. So we have wow. this sort of like, you know, quite otherworldly, um, um, you know, dilapidated, you know, facade 
of, 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 of this building, this old monastery. And we perform these great plays by Shakespeare with an audience that is very interactive and moves around. And you know, aside from, and parallel to our work, we do one production out there every summer. And uh, we also do a school tour in the fall. And parallel to all that, we do outreach work. We teach Shakespeare um, in, uh, in prisons at a, a penitentiary here called uh, Stony Mountain Penitentiary. And we teach drama to inmates there. We also do a lot of work with youth. Um, we do a lot of workshops with emerging artists. Um, yeah, we just, we do a lot of educational you know, program, a lot of workshops. So yeah, it's a, it's a bit of everything, and it's a it's a it's a small company, very small company, and uh, and we also develop new plays that are Shakespeare inspired or Shakespeare adjacent. Um, so we do a bit of the old and a bit of the new, and uh, and yeah, it's it's a nice little company because it's so small. It's just me as AD and a general manager, and an assistant general manager. So it's three of us that kind of are part of the staff, and then we have you know contract staff, you know like bookkeepers or marketing directors, but they're just on contracts. Um, so the three of us kind of do everything in the company. Um, and it's a, it's both the blessing of having a small company that you kind of have a decision-making um, voice, you know, in every aspect of the company, but also kind of like the curse because you do a bit of everything. <laughs> so it's a bit tiring right. because it's a small company. I don't have departments. I do, you know, like I go from, writing, you know, fundraising, ask letters, uh, uh, or, or, you know, um, doing thank you letters or writing cards or running auditions or putting notices up or running social media to actually directing a play or acting in a play. So I do, I do a bit of everything uh, in the operations and in the artistic uh, sides of this company. So it's a, it's a pretty hands-on job. And, you know, like, like everything in the arts, it doesn't, doesn't, doesn't pay that well, but it's a passion project, right? It's a passion project. Um, but I love the company. I think it's um, I think it has a lot of potential to grow once we're through this mess. And we hope to perform this summer, uh, the Winter's Tale. And I'm pretty, because I, I was born and raised in Brazil and I'm, I'm, I love languages and I love this idea of Shakespeare through different languages. And I'm, it's, kind of like part of my like personal agenda with Shakespeare is to kind of just really take him apart and use different languages and translations and adaptations. I'm not very fussy about, about, I don't have any sense of reverence for Shakespeare in the sense that he shouldn't be touched. I think he should be messed about with as long as we are elevating his, his, um, his works in a, in a way that makes sense for us now. I'm all for cutting and pasting translating so that's all to say that this production of the winter's tale that we're doing this summer hopefully we can do it um it's bilingual it's in french and english so um the bohemians in the play wow. will speak french and the sicilians will speak english because the play is about two families that can't agree on things and then in the end come together and find a path forward and that's very much the story of Canada in many ways, right? We have these two official mm -hmm. languages, French and English, even though we are a country of many, many, many languages in Canada. Um, and, um, but I find this idea of putting Shakespeare through this process of translation and cultural adaptation is really important if we are to actually get Shakespeare into the 21st mm -hmm. century. Oh, that's, that's, that's what we do at SIR. <laughs> <laughs> wow, there's so much I want to dig into. Yeah. I wrote a few things down. Uh, I wanted to say as well, I'm originally from Montreal. So we actually left because of a referendum once upon a time because of that tension. Wow. Um, we moved out uh, to Olympia, Washington when I was young. Yeah. Uh, wow. So I That's definitely understand. Yeah, the, the duality, the, the challenges, just um, integrating and juggling these different cultures and ideals and qualities of life that, yeah, it is challenging, but that's so phenomenal. You're bringing it onto the stage. I remember uh, something I saw in the, I think it was the Shakespeare in the Ruins Instagram or it was your Instagram about how you are 
expanding the sense of the classical canon, taking it yes. to new places. And I think that's just so, so, so important as we expand and push boundaries forward as a society, we need to see that on stage and we need to see this, you know, the productions taking it a step further. So I think it's incredible what you guys are doing and the idea of like moving. So the audience moves around uh, with the actors, they follow them. That's the, yeah, that's what we do. It's called promenade staging. Yeah, we uh, we have chairs that we provide, and 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 um, everybody gets a chair, and then the um, you know the actors go like, great, now follow us this way, and then they, they they get up and they fold their chairs and they just walk with the actors, and we have a new a new um, scenario and a new setting. Um, we perform a place, you know, here in the prairies, the sunsets are magnificent. They're just magnificent. The skies are just immense. It's always sunny um, and it's amazing. It's cold, but it's always sunny. Um, but we perform uh, when the sun is about to set, you know? So mm -hmm. by the end, by the, by the final scene of the play, the sun should be setting. So you get this magnificent natural, you know, light uh, hitting the building, hitting the ruins and, 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 and then illuminating the audience. So it feels very, um, it feels very, uh, I don't know. It feels like an act of community, really, to move around the park, and mm. it's very challenging physically for the actors. Which is why we, we're concerned that if we have to perform with masks on, even though we're outside, it's going to be very hard for the actors this summer. To it's already hard to project, you know, with trees and and the wind. Sometimes it can yeah. be very it can be a very harsh environment. I find that thrilling because it makes you like not be fussy about Shakespeare. You're sort of like just muscular and you're out there with the audience right around you. But I find if we have to do with masks, it's going to be a big challenge this, this summer. So my, I'm, I'm very concerned about the form of how we do it. We might have to reduce the moves as well to reduce audience, you know, uh, coming in contact with each other. We might have to have only a, a couple of audience moves through the park um, as opposed to usually we have like six or seven maybe sometimes. Um, so... Yeah, we're really reevaluating, like everybody else, how we do what we do, right? So, but the point yeah, is, I can't imagine why you have to have masks outside. I mean, if 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 they go through tests and you know they're kind of isolated, the actors, I mean, not the audience. That yeah. seems pretty extreme. <laughs> yeah, well, Saskatchewan, for instance, our neighbor neighbor province has has a. a their requirements right now is that it doesn't matter if you're inside or outside, if you're projecting or singing, you should be masked. So Manitoba doesn't have that restriction right now, but we never know when they go like, oh yeah, by the way, masked. <laughs> so yeah, yeah it's- it, And it's, Canada's more careful than over stateside. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, I think we're all going to- My sister's in Toronto. <laughs> right. I, get the, I get the news from there. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I think we're all going through a lot of transformations right now, and it's just, yeah, we're all trying to figure out how to best, how best to deliver what we what we want to deliver, right? So I don't know. I think it's good for Shakespeare to be put through this filter of like, just you know, measures sometimes. You know, like it's uh, it makes mm -hmm. you it forces you to be creative. Like for instance, last year, last year, 2019, 2019, I was directing Hamlet. Uh, I'm still in my mind. I'm still stuck in March 2020. Right. <laughs> uh, so in in twenty in twenty nineteen we were into our second week of rehearsals for Hamlet that I was, I was directing at the ruins, and then we got a call from the city saying that they had to do maintenance work in the building of the ruins because of some foundation issues, and they would have to kind of um, put fencing around the building and restrict our access to certain sections of the big monastery you know facade. And I had staged things already around there. And I was like, oh, damn, you know, what am I going to do? And then I decided, you know, to use the city fencing and the whole like danger, don't touch, don't come here, don't come near signs as part of the design of the play. So I had this like post-apocalyptic near future Hamlet that was, you know, enhanced by the fact that the city had to put stop, don't touch, danger, and fencing up around the building. It can just looked cool, looked part of the world. So that, I was like, okay, I have a problem. How can I, how can I use the problem creatively as opposed to fighting the problem, you know? Mm. Um, so oh, like right I love now, that. 
you know, right now we're screwed. We can't perform live. We can't do these things. But what can we do that is inspired by the mo moment as opposed to in spite of the moment? Ooh, that's a lovely distinction. Inspired by the moment as opposed to in spite of the moment. I think that's like your, your marketing skills are coming through. But authentic ones, eh? Like artistic marketing, that's different than just marketing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm rolling with it. But I, I want to incur, right? I want to encourage uh, everyone listening to go look up Shakespeare in the Ruins online. I'll have it in the show notes because the photos are breathtaking of the ruins of the monastery. The light and the texture and the space and the shadows. It's just riveting that in itself. And then to have Shakespeare in front of that, it's just so inventive. Yeah, yeah, no, it's a beautiful place, beautiful place. And I want to jump back to the work you said you mentioned. You, you work with um, inmates as well in, in prisons. It reminded me, I'm not sure if you've read this novel by Margaret Atwood, Hagseed. It's a yeah, take the, uh, the, on the, the take Tempest. On the Tempest, yeah. I haven't read it, yeah. but I know about it, yeah. Yeah, the director or he was expelled as a director and then he recreates the tempest in this prison and then he gets his job i mean it's a it's a wonderful novel so i'll have that too it just really i was like whoa this is like Hagsey, but in life not just yeah, in there's a great documentary called um called caesar must die it's an italian documentary and i saw it in 2013 i saw it at the cinema and it's it's an extraordinary documentary about inmates in italy staging Julius Caesar and how wow. so it's in Italian so you have that layer and then and then you and then it's in in, in, a, in a in a prison and it, the, the way they show the inmates auditioning for the project is brilliant just just brilliant they have them they have them improvise like the director had the inmates imagine that they were at a border between two countries and then the, their families were being taken away from them into this other country. And they were on the other side asking, pleading for them not to do that. Pleading, pleading for them to, to, to let their family stay in this country and to stay with them. And you have these inmates improvising dialogue about like, you know, just asking, just demanding, just, just begging that these people don't take their families away from them across this border, this imaginary border. And it's extraordinary what a process of, you know, improvised audition just to see how much commitment that they, uh, they had into that action of begging for them not to be separated from their families. Um, and that kind of stuck with me. Um, and, and again, you know, the play Julius Caesar is about betrayal and politicking and factions and gangs, you know, negotiating their their place in the, in the system and and those inmates get that that's their life you know uh, who who am i loyal to mm. who do i trust mm. what is the system doing what am i doing to the system how can i navigate the system who do i have to um uh, protect myself against who do i have to who do i have to you know eliminate to get to where I need to be. They, in that film, you can see them really living those sort of like experiences, um, you know, very openly. So yeah, we tried, mm. we were working on Macbeth here uh, with the inmates at Stony Mountain when the shit hit mm. the fan and we went into, uh, into lockdown. And Claire Friesen is our program director and she's the one that runs the, the workshops with the inmates. And yeah, it's, they get it. Right? They get it. They get the whole, again, Macbeth is about power. It's about extreme measures, how far you go into, into making, you know, into a, a set of circumstances that are, you know, uh, for several reasons, challenging, dubious, or, or just, you know, downright bloody. Um, so it, it, yeah, they get it. They get the stuff. Um, so it's very powerful always to go and watch them perform scenes and bits from plays after they have a few weeks of workshops. Um, 
yeah, I, I can't, uh, I can't, again, we, we, we go as actors and we imagine these circumstances and stuff, but a lot of these people actually could very openly say like, well, this happened to me. I was, or just a very, you know, if you just think about just the very act of being stabbed, you know, like in, in Shakespeare, there's a lot of these characters that talk about being stabbed. And if you go and you meet somebody who goes like, I've been stabbed and you go like, yeah, you are, you you get it. And I mean, as a director, I can imagine that and go like, I can only imagine it. And so, you know, it's always a revelation, always a revelation. Yeah. Wow. This makes me think of my studies and an integral element to the Russian system in which I was raised uh, before we ever move on to objects, animals, characters, dramatic text, a monologue even, we, are, we have three, four months devoted to this idea of myself in given circumstances. Oh. And, that may, and so we learn as, as humans how we personally would react depending on this situation or that situation or with this person or imagining little scenes, little sketches that inspire us in some way, right? Like, like some we're, we're creating on our own, but some are issued by the professor. Like next week we're working on physiology or the week after it's extreme or the week after it's a partnership of some kind. And that I feel like is the closest perhaps like, like, like having that deep sense of how you personally respond to something and then being able to bring that to your work to relate every character to, because regardless whether we're playing a character or not, first and foremost, it's us in a circumstance, us the human, right? That's our point of navigation. Uh, so to hear that, what you're explaining, uh, the process that the inmates felt and, and got to share and kind of hold a space of resonance for them. That's so profound. That is amazing. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's an exercise in empathy, really, right? It's actually empathy so that we really understand what folks go through. And I, I don't think, uh, we, again, we talk a lot about empathy in theater. We talk about, like, like we talk about being in the moment. And I don't know really what that means anymore. But like the, the, the act of, of empathy is 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 at the heart of this thing and i think it transcends you know the same thing with the practice with the russian system you know this this idea of like putting yourself through a circumstance is and that is an exercise in empathy right it's you trying mm. to imagine how it, you would react to a certain circumstance so uh, that for me transcends theater transcends it's just a, it's just about the human experience right and uh, it's very delicate work very delicate yes. work right it's a uh, yes you don't want to get in there and teach inmates about Shakespeare and stuff and just make them relive traumas or, or create more confusion or have this idea that is, you know, somewhat colonial and, and that we're getting in there and educating them through Shakespeare. It's not really about that. It's about this exchange of experiences. And it really is an exchange, you know, like I'm, we're learning from them. Shakespeare is, is, is being enriched mm -hmm. by them. And the art and our practice mm -hmm. is being enriched by them. So it's an, it's an exercise in empathy and community making and, and trying to find a path forward together. Because, you know, like if an inmate says the line, like Claudius has, oh, my offenses rank, it smells to heaven. I mean, that means something else than if a bourgeois actor who went to a fancy drama school says, oh, my offenses rank, it smells to heaven. It's like, come on. You know, like there's, you know, there, yeah. it's like the whole. It's like we're opening. We'll have a whole new world opening up here, right? So, it's about the yeah. It's about that that exercise in empathy, and I don't even know if it really is about theater. I don't know what theater really is about anymore <laughs> these days, but yeah. uh, but it's um yeah. It's about that. It's about this delicate work of trying to come to a sense of understanding. And if Shakespeare with his big canvas, with his words, with his sounds, can sort of provide a tool, a weird common language for people of different experiences to dialogue with each other. I am all for that. Oh, yeah. that's a beautiful description. I love your emphasis on the delicacy because mm -hmm. it is 
when you're dealing with the human soul, like it is a delicate thing. <laughs> it's a very, <laughs> it's a muscular thing, but it's also delicate at the same time. Uh, I want to, if you're willing for you to, sh to share with us, uh, how Shakespeare entered your life because you have a very unique story and how it's been a guiding force. If I may say so, I don't, I don't want to put words yeah, in your mouth, yeah, yeah. but just from exploring your, your website, your biography, uh, I'd love, we'd love to, to hear some about it. Sure. Yeah. I, yeah. I've said this to my friends many times and I, and I will always say this because I really think it's kind of like my touchstone sort of like, um, belief like I, I i came to shakespeare about 20 years ago when i moved to canada from brazil and for me shakespeare was a passport you know uh, into this new life that i found here it was um i was in grade 12 and my english was very very basic and um and i was terrified to look at the schedule and see that next week would be starting Hamlet. And I was like, I can't do that. You know, like I can barely speak English. I don't understand Shakespeare in Portuguese. How am I gonna understand Shakespeare in English? Like, good luck, I'm gonna fail miserably. Um, and then, and you know, like I was so stressed already about being behind everything because I was the only immigrant in, in the class and the only Latin American in the class. And I was like, I'm gonna fail. I'm gonna just, this is gonna be like, this is the end. And then we started, I was very lucky. I had a very good teacher. I find that a good teacher will change everything in your life. I find that, I think I think for everybody in any profession, if you find yourself now in adulthood doing something you love, chances are you can trace that back to a teacher. And you go, that was the person that kind of opened this up for me. And Mr. McLeod was that teacher for me. He was so enthusiastic about Shakespeare and Hamlet in particular, that when we began that process, um, the first line of the play is who's there? I mean, like what a great line for a teenager. Like, I don't know who I am, who's there? Um, and then what I noticed though right away was that everybody in the class was lost, lost and confused everyone in the class, you know, was like, I don't understand this English. And I was like, great, <laughs> now we're all lost. That's awesome. I was so scared I was gonna be even more behind, but no, it was everybody going like, I don't know what fardels and quintessence of dust is. I don't know anything. And I was like, this is phenomenal. We're all lost. So for me, it was about embracing complexity and not knowing from day one, and that's my foundation. I've done over 20 productions of Shakespeare. And every time I begin the play, I don't know what the hell he's talking about. And every play is a new beginning. It's a fallacy for us to go around going like, oh, yeah, Shakespearean actors know what they're talking about. No, they don't. Nobody knows. Nobody knows. So, so the pleasure is in going, looking at the words and going, I want to make sense of this first to myself, and then how I can share that understanding. So for me, it was about the detective work of like, what? And then going, oh, I get it. And then going, here, look what I found. And then sharing that. And then them going, yeah, now I get it. So for me, there's nothing more pleasurable than that. To so go like, oh, oh, ah, oh, yay. So it's about, it's about that. So for me, it was a, he was a cultural unifier. He was never this monolithic, iconic, literary figure that said, I'm good dramatic literature and everybody else is just, you know, minor stuff. For me, he was, he was, he is a, a passport through my life still. Oh, I love that. A passport for your life. I, I love what you say. <laughs> to give credit to uh, Greg Doran, I think the uh, AD of uh, of uh, the RSC, he talks about it being a passport through his life as well. So, 
you can oh but thank you for sharing it here I've, I've never kind of tied that together that's marvelous and i love what you said about how every time you start you have no idea what's going on Nobody that knows. is with everything everything like really if we're being honest eh? any anything you're writing anything you're you're making anything you're dissecting <laughs> Look, and, and I think for me again, you know, talk about talk about a, a, a good thing from that came out of the pandemic. I I connected um, with a director that I long admired, but never 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 could never connect with because he's not he's in New York, um, and his name is Ron Daniels, and he's a he's a Brazilian-born Brit director that was one mm. was part of the RSC in the early days of the RSC. And um, and for me, that journey of this Brazilian guy who found Shakespeare in English and then dedicated his life to that was mirroring my quest. And I always wanted to find him. And then in the early days of the pandemic in April last year, we found each other and we were on Zoom in, with each other, which was phenomenal. So, wow. and then Ron Daniels has this beautiful belief about Shakespeare that I that for me has become a has become a, a touchstone as well. And I only like came to it now in 2020. And he talks about he talks about the danger of fatal fluency, which is when the actor pretends that the language is normal. And they just kind of mm -hmm. just you know speak Shakespeare as if it's normal language. As if you know clipped and clear and crisp and well burst and elegant and you know there's no difficulty in it it's just like this like you know you see old old Shakespearean actors did that a lot right it just kind of comes out of them and it's so beautiful and poetic towards mm. that Ron Daniels hates when it comes to Shakespeare but um but he talks about the danger of fatal fluency because the the touchstone belief is that the language should be complex and difficult to both the actor and the character. So the character is trying to make sense of it. The character is trying to find the words. It's not, the character doesn't speak this way, you know, normally. It's just, it's using this language to try and find the best way to express him or herself. So, oh. so when you are beginning work, with Shakespeare in a play, and you're struggling, embrace the idea that the character is also struggling. Ooh, I wish okay. I knew that like 15 years ago. <laughs> me too, me too. I only can, I only really, yeah. He wrote this great book that I have here. It's in Portuguese though. It's called uh, Encounters with Shakespeare. And, and what he does, what Ron Dennis has in it is he has his kind of like guide to his perspective on Shakespeare. And then the translations of four of his plays in Portuguese, even though he works in English mostly. So, but that belief that um, that it is complex for character and actor, I think, kind of liberates one from having to speak it like it's, blah, 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 you know. Yes. So yeah. Oh, marvelous! Oh, I wish is there, I hope there'll be an English translation of that book at no, some point. No, I'll try. I'll make one one day. Please. Yes, that'd be so great. I'll be I'll first up, first up to order. You can tell the publisher you already have people ready, to, ready to buy. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's so wonderful that you were able to reach out to an icon of yours because that's I've definitely kind of embraced that as well. It's this notion of if literally, if not now, then when. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. Same thing. Yeah. I was always like thinking like one day I'll spend a couple of months in Brazil, you know, and direct something and have a Shakespearean retreat with actors and do it. And I kept telling myself that story. One day I'll do that. And it was never going to happen. Right? When, when was I going to take two months off of my life and raising kids and move into Brazil for a couple of months? How could I afford that even? And be in a Shakespearean retreat with them and do a play. But now through Zoom, I can actually rehearse with them and have meetings and as i'm doing you know twice a month i meet with a group of brazilians and we play with text and it's been amazing right it's been amazing wow. but it would not have happened 
if it wasn't for this crap time we're in. So. Definite silver lining. <laughs> yeah, trying to find some, yeah. yeah. And I think too, with your background, with being born and raised in another language affords you a certain key into Shakespeare as well that perhaps native English speakers might not have. I mean, I when I was working with Russian text, uh, some classical Russian text that is just so beyond my mind. Like I, it's, it, it's hard for me to read, like kind of general Russian, yes, but like elevated text, I'm like, no, I cannot read Dostoyevsky. I just can't, it's just too challenging. <laughs> hard, eh? yeah, wow, yeah. <laughs> uh, just because the idioms, the kind of colloquialisms are just different now. Uh, but I, I mean, I definitely had an accent, but engaging with that text on stage, I had a completely different relationship to it, not just in terms of my own emotional relationship, but the way it sat in my mouth, the right. way it came out of me. And it was, it afforded some kind of flair that none of my partners had. Uh, so it was this really kind of interesting negotiation where it was like, I definitely have an accent. I'd be working on certain vowels for hours because the director right. would be like, no, it has to be softer. You're not getting the softness. <laughs> that's wonderful. Yeah. yeah. So that's great. I love this, those discoveries. Yes, I think too, when we, when we kind of strip this notion of it has to be perfect in a classical sense and we can just not necessarily wreak havoc, but make it our own and the love for it, our love for it can come through and create even more, even more discoveries. Oh yeah. So, oh yeah. I mean, like what's the thing that Miles Davis said? Sometimes it takes a long time to sound like yourself. So it's like, got to go back to the Miles Davis quote. It takes a long time to sound like yourself. Oh, man. I love that. And look, this, this, this time afforded me this precious time with you. I literally could never have anticipated it. Oh, it's so. great. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for that. I do. I want to be mindful of your time because I know you're juggling a lot. There was one, I'm kind of skipping around now because there's one spot on your website that really caught my eye, which was your nook about football. <laughs> and <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> Uh, yes. I I am, or I was rather, a very devoted, I guess they call it soccer here. I played soccer for 15 years. I thought it was going to be my life before I, I had to make the choice to go into theater when I was 15 because the varsity team needed this many hours and then the drama team needed this many hours. So I had to make the choice. Uh, and part of me thinks like, what would have happened if I stayed on <laughs> doing that? Uh, but I would just, I think it's wonderful that you have a section of your website devoted to football. Like, that's just I, so great. <laughs> I take it very seriously. As a Brazilian, I love soccer, football, football. I love it so much. I find it completely theatrical. And, and like, like, even in, in Portuguese, we don't consider it, in Brazil, we don't consider it sport. We consider it art. We really call it art. And we don't even say the starting 11 players. We say the cast of players. Um, yeah, we link. So it's, it's, very, it's very much seen as an art form in Brazil. Like everything, we kind of, Brazil has a flair for describing things or embracing things as art. So soccer is definitely something that Brazilians mm. view as art, as performance art. So winning is never enough in Brazil. Like nobody cares for the team of 94 that won the World Cup. Everyone cares about the team of 82 that lost the World Cup, but played beautifully. So, and, so, and, and some of the, of Pelé's, and I highly encourage folks to check out the new Netflix documentary, Pelé. Um, and some of Pelé's most thrilling highlights are goals that he missed but that up until the point he missed is just a ballet. It's just beauty. Oh. So for me, it's about that. I'm interested in the failures, but as long as they're beautiful <laughs> failures, you know, I, I almost love, missed. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, the, don't give me a crap team that wins by playing defensively. Give me a beautiful, daring, bonkers attacking team that plays with guts and flair. Mm. And, you know, they lose, but at least they tried. 
Um, so I, 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 yeah, for me, soccer is really, really important. It ties me to my culture in Brazil. It ties me to a sense of, of uh, again, you know, a cultural unifier. Because in Brazil, a very complex country, uh, the class divide between middle class and, and super rich and the poor, the class divides are, are shockingly uh, uh, um, immoral, uh, unethical, um, and, and just inhuman. But, um, but soccer is a thing that unites all classes and all races. Um, so for me, it's really important to, 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 you know, like to, if you watch Pelé on Netflix, you, you will see how important it was for, for a black boy who was 17 years old to become the first international icon from Brazil to introduce Brazil to the world and how important that was to have a black boy be that icon um, and what that meant to soccer and what that meant to Brazil and what that meant to humanity. So yeah, I, I love soccer for those. I love the World Cup. I'm so disturbed by the World Cup next year being Qatar and, and being in November and December and, and how weird that's going to be and how controversial it's been, you know, the building of the stadiums and how I'm so, I know I'm, I'm so critical of that, you know, institution, FIFA, but I'm also like, yeah. every time the World Cup rolls in, I'm like, I can't not watch the games. They're irresistible. <laughs> they are irresistible. And, and Russia did so well in the last World Cup in 2018. They went so far, right? And That was shocking. <laughs> Sorry, I shouldn't say that. <laughs> No, and and I don't know. I just and also and then Croatia, a new team reaching the final. I just I love the surprise of football, and I love the improvisation of football. I love the chaos of football. I hate the whole technology and the and the VAR, you know, the kind of checks. I love the mistakes. I, it makes me, you know, I just love the imperfections. I love the faders again. Um, I hate the concept that many North American games have of of statistics and perfectionism and numbers. I, I find it drives yeah. me crazy. It's a whole different yeah. kind of appreciation for sport. For me, I like, I like, I like the chaos and the improvisation. Wow, I think that's a metaphor for basically everything. The statistics and kind of the measuring tactics we have here. I'm like, I'm with you. I wanna see, I wanna see the chaos. I wanna see the imperfection. I wanna be in the mess. I wanna be there sweating and breathing in the dirt. Like down in the in the sexy dirt. I don't wanna be in like this sort of like, you know, stop and do a commercial for <laughs> Gillette and then you go and stop the play and then you start the play again and then it's like oh, God. And every one play is worth I don't know how many points. I just don't get it. I just don't get it. I, I like the messiness of soccer. I think <laughs> ah, that's, that's the key phrase of this of this wonderful time together down in the sexy dirt. That is down probably what dirt. I'm calling this episode. Down in that's the sexy so dirt. Good. That's right. Down in the sexy dirt. <laughs> down the, I refuse the preciousness of it all. I just want the sexy dirt for Shakespeare and soccer and life. Oh, I love that. Oh, that's marvelous. Uh, I want that on a t-shirt or bumper sticker, even though I don't have a car. I'll get a car for that bumper sticker. That's right. Um, before we close out, I have some questions uh, I ask. And it's whatever the first thing that comes to your heart, your instincts, whatever it may be. Uh, so question number one, before we dive into speech for the stage and the amazing warm-up exercise you're willing, graciously willing to share with us. Sure. Uh, <laughs> we're very excited. Uh, <laughs> what, oh, I should preface. So in Russian, uh, as opposed to saying an objective or a goal for an actor, we use the term wish, or sometimes what do you want, but we use the word wish. And I always found that it, flipped on a light switch in a different part of me. It turned off my head and it ignited my spirit. So I was moving from like a different part of my body almost. And that's what, I mean, there's multiple facets of the wish and our life wishes, our artistic wishes. This is the actor's wish, but I think the wish takes on multiple layers. So I'm curious, what does the actor's wish or objective mean to you? My God, 
shoot, I, this must be light, whatever the first thing is. And then you can say it in Portuguese. That'd be even more I'm actress, wish what it's to be. Uh, a pleasure. Pleasure, pure pleasure, pure pleasure. We're fooling ourselves in thinking that we don't do this for pleasure. It is, you know, even in that, I, I recently read the uh, that book, Sapiens by Yuval Hariri. Um, and he talks about the only way to measure happiness is, is in the moments that you felt complete pleasure and you were able to stop thinking. And that really is happiness. So pleasure, it's just pleasure. That's marvelous. And I, I feel like that wraps our episode in a perfect circle relating to your kids, because that I imagine, maybe not all moments of pure pleasure when it's a lot of crying. <laughs> a lot, it's a lot of work and, and with, with <laughs> moments of, of bliss and pleasure. Yeah. <clears throat> right. Sexy dirt or pleasure dirt, whatever you want right. to call it. <laughs> Definitely sexy dirt. I really love that. I just, oh, the pleasure sinking into that. Secondly, what is a current obstacle you're overcoming in art or in life? Uh, I think just the sense of impatience, just the, the lack of patience um, mm. that we must exercise now and must have. So the challenge of talking to myself in my head daily going, you don't have, you don't have to follow the narrative of what you think your life as a theater artist should be all the time. It's okay to drop things for a while and just stop. So we struggle, I think, as theater artists, we struggle with this idea of not being theater artists mm. and i don't think that's the case with every profession and somehow we tie our practice to our identity way too much um, yes. and i think the challenge of like i am not my practice at least not all the time so mm. for me to tell myself to just let it go for a bit there are more important things in the world <laughs> you know wow uh, that punctured me right here that's, that's something I wrestle with as well. Patience, but also breathing. <laughs> yeah. Breathing, yeah. We just don't stop all the time. The hustle is ridiculous. I don't know, you know, and maybe it's not healthy. Maybe we should stop that. Yeah. Yeah, it's this something I've been struggling with is that if you are not you you said it beautifully in other professions do people wrangle around with this idea that when we stop when we're not fully in the art does that make us any less of a theater artist no <laughs> yeah it's weird we have this idea of purpose that we tie to ourselves so much as if you know if we don't follow it we'll be we'll, we will be a fraud to ourselves but i don't know I, maybe it's not maybe it shouldn't be like that Maybe it's not that. Maybe it's not that high stakes. Like we always talk about high stakes and everything in the play, and we need that kind of to fuel an imaginary circumstance. But maybe we don't have to live life like that. Ooh. Maybe it's in the drawing quietness. that line in the dirt. <laughs> yeah, maybe it's the quietness that's necessary right now. Yeah. Like in not hibernation, but just an exhale. We're always <laughs> inhaling. <laughs> We're always inhaling. We're going, oh, and here we go. And it's like, oh, maybe yeah. just don't go right now. Oh, I love that. Thank you for these answers. I have one more question. <laughs> what this will be the easiest I promise. <laughs> what what is something you are excited about creating right now? Small or big, art or life? I'm excited to give actors a job, you know, mm. when I can. I'm excited to go like, and here's your contract. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited to do that with the confidence that we can deliver it, as opposed to just doing the contract and going like, you know, and if we can't do it, we'll pay you out, of course, and everything. I'm excited to go like, we found a way, and here's your contract, and we're going to do this. I'm excited to do that. You know, 
and right now we just can't because we don't know. So I'm excited to just do that right now. Oh, that's lovely. We're here. We're here supporting that intention, <laughs> like lifting it up. That's wonderful. Yeah. And to close us out, would you care to share your warm up, a favorite warm up, a silly warm up, a goofy in the dirt, dusty warm up? <laughs> <laughs> I find, well, I find, I think in terms of like a ritual, I find rituals are very important for us and as theater creatures. I, I, I've always found that I have a pretty tight jaw and I over try and like articulate things. So I just, I just love like warming up my hand and, and just like, you know, running it down along my jawlines until it melts and, and doing a lot of like imaginary, you know, work in terms of like really, really, really noticing that my tongue is all down here still. The tongue is a big muscle yeah. and try and tell myself how, you know, convince myself of the physiology of how large a muscle the tongue is and how high a roof of your mouth is and then really working on my jaw i love that and kind of melting it. this idea of melting the muscles wow and kind of you know uh, uh massaging my tongue under here and just doing a lot of like i tend to like i find that my face gets very tense and, mm. and my jaw gets very tense when i act so i pay attention to a lot of my the muscles around my face and my neck and I try to quiet and just, you know, just my, my natural enthusiasm to do something and then and, and just, you know, tell myself to stop and just be present. And um, I, I, it's silly, but I do, I do run like the limericks that, you know, I think it's an anchorman, you know, like the human torch was denied a bank loan. <laughs> I said, or, or the skeleton ran out of shampoo in the shower. I say that a lot, <laughs> but I also love, I love something that, um, because it's rhythmic that uh, uh, Kate Hennig taught us. Lenise was in the class when she taught us mm. in, in Stratford a little like rhythmic limerick that goes, did you pack, did you pack, did you pack the ticky tack, the ticky, the ticky, pack, pack the ticky, ticky, ticky tack, pack the ticky tack, did you pack the ticky tack. I want to do that over and over again. Did you pack, did you pack? Did you pack the ticket, pack the ticky, the ticky, pack, pack the ticky. And it just, I find rhythmically, it's awesome. And it kind of oh. makes, you know, puts you in your body. Um, so I love that. And I also love, I love playing Big Booty. You know Big Booty? The, the, I don't know Big that, Booty. Well, we stand in the circle with the actors. It's an ensemble ex kind of exercise. And then um, there's one person who is Big Booty. And then every other person is a number. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. And then we all get in the same rhythm and we sing big booty, big booty, big booty. Oh yeah. Big booty, big booty, big booty. Oh yeah. And big booty starts big booty number three. And number three goes number three, number two, number two, number six, number six, number one, number one, big booty, big booty, number eight. And we just try. And the goal is to dethrone big booty. And then number whatever, nine or the last number becomes big booty. So the goal is to get Big Booty out of being Big Booty by messing up the chant, messing up the rhythm, or messing, you know, you might say like somebody throws it back at you, you know, number eight, Big Booty, and Big Booty's late in the rhythm, or Big Booty goes, Big Booty, number booty, oh, messed up. And then you keep the rhythm, and then Big Booty moves to number one, to, to number nine, and then number one becomes Big Booty. And never stop the chant, never stop the rhythm. Does that make sense? Oh, kind of. yeah. You yeah. gave us a feast. This is so good. It's an ensemble exercise to be in the same rhythm, to be in the same room. So, yeah, there's a big booty and there are numbers. And then it's a circle. And then you try and get the person out of the big booty position. And the number one becomes big booty. So um, you shift around. The goal is you keep the rhythm and the clapping going. You never stop. So if you mess up, you go, let's say, let's say you mess up. Go like, big booty, big booty, big booty. Oh yeah, big booty number three, number three, number four, number four, number eight, number eight, big booty. Oh shit, big yeah. booty, big booty, big booty. Oh, and in this, in this saying, oh shit, in that, you know, mess up the rhythm and then a person already has moved to the big booty position and then you just keep going. And you can do it very fast or very slow. But yeah, I love playing big booty as an ensemble. 
Oh wow! You'll have to set up a Zoom one. I want. I would. I would get pay a ticket for that. I'd want to play. That's wonderful. Thank you. You're very welcome. Wow. I don't. I don't even quite know how to close out such a great episode. Rodrigo, thank you for your time, your energy, your vitality, <laughs> your presence with everything that you're doing. Uh, where can people find you? Once you can find me on my website, RodrigoBiafus.com. If you Google my name, you'll find me, uh, shakespeareintheruins.com as well. You have my email address right there listed. Yeah. It's ad at sirmb.ca. Feel free to email me. It's If you Google my name, Rodrigo Shakespeare, you will find me very, very easily on social media as well. Very easy to find. Perfect. And you have a professional Instagram as well. Is it okay if I... Oh, yes. It's Rodrigo underscore Bialfus. Yeah. So uh, there it is. Perfect. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm sure everyone's going to want to, oh, it's 333 three here. That's a great, that's a great note to end on. Uh, I'm sure people are going to want to reach out. Uh, definitely check out Shakespeare in the Ruins. It's freaking incredible. Thank you again. We send you off with love and gratitude and can't wait for our next encounter. <laughs> right back at you. Thank you so much for holding this space and uh, for this great conversation. And uh, hopefully we'll be in the same physical room one day together. Absolutely. Or in your audience in the ruins. That'd be amazing. So fun. Much love. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Thank, <laughs> Thank you so much for joining me and pressing play on yourself today. If this episode resonated with you, be sure to share it with a friend or leave a review on iTunes. We are building the ensemble, so the more people who see it, the more rich and diverse our collective will be. If you're looking for extra inspiration, come find me on Instagram at Sarabanda. I am so eager to connect and I'll be ready with a new task for us to explore next week. In the meantime, enjoy the process. Just remember to lead with your wish.